these companies are not like our parents <laughs> and they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not supposed to like take care of us no matter what. And like help yeah. us, you know, they're, they're trying to make money. I got to a point in the company where like the company was cool. Just keeping me where I was and that if I wanted to leave, then like that would also be cool. So I was like, all right, well, let me, now that I realize that and I understand that, let me check my finances. Let me check my network. I talked to my mom, I talked to my son, and I was like, you know, I'm thinking about really doing nine to five full time. I have been doing, you know, some weddings here and there. People in the organization knew that I had this kind of side project. But I was like, yo, I'm going to put together a plan in my mind and on paper that, you know, if I can do this, then, you know, I'm going to get to a certain point. And I'm going to quit my job. Welcome to Smart Career and Money Moves, a podcast for professionals seeking fulfillment and purpose in their careers. Each week, we will sit down with experts and trailblazers to discuss the ups and downs of finding and following your passions, whether it's through climbing the corporate ladder, starting a business, or launching a side hustle. So let's get into the show. Today on the Smart Career and Money Moves podcast, we have Aaron Clanton. He is the CEO and founder of 9to5 and the 9to5 Studios in New York. And I thought I was busy, but Aaron is busy, busy. Like he makes me look bad. He's a dad to a 14-year-old son. He's built a successful brand that has allowed him to leave corporate America He's established relationships with some top retailers like Belk, Nordstrom, and Hudson Bay. He's been featured in Forbes. And on top of all of this, he managed to live abroad for four years. I mean, Aaron has done so much. I'm so honored that he would join me today on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Awesome. There is so much to unpack here. I mean, I'm sure I just barely scratched the surface there with some of your top things that you have going on. That's a lot though. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. So let's go ahead and dive into it. I want people to understand the journey of where you started to where you are now. Sure. So I actually want to start, take a little bit of a peek into your corporate career, where you started. And so Aaron and I actually went to the same alma mater, North Carolina A&T, and we both studied engineering. And so Aaron left the engineering field our education, and he could have taken his career in a million different directions, but you chose a project management track. So yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, tell me about that. So I did an internship with uh, GE in Waukesha, Wisconsin, 2005. And the internship that I did there was a project management uh, internship. It was like one of the entry tracks to OMLP but it was project management based. So I really enjoyed it. And then when I came back to to A&T, just like working with projects, especially like senior projects and kind of doing all that stuff, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the short-term kind of nature of it, where you do a project and then you finish and then you move on to the next thing. And so when I was applying for jobs after, or I guess senior year, Bank of America had a project management like kind of like entry level role slash program that was interesting. And so I had like the GE credentials and I got the job. And so I just been kind of, I was riding that wave for a while. And when I went to grad school back at Ante after banks failed, which I don't know if we we could talk about that. I did 
kind of like a, my thesis was on, my graduate project was sort of like a Six Sigma continuous improvement project management uh, project. So, but that took me to a project management rotational program with Rolls-Royce in Ohio. And in that rotational program, we got, I got international experience and got to travel to the UK and to Asia. And then the career kind of went around the way it does. And now we're here in retail. Very interesting pivot there. So yeah. you did a bunch in project management. At what point did you feel or did you feel at, at any point that you were at the height of the project management career? Like when did you feel most successful in that venue, that avenue? Yeah. So I guess it was like when I was doing Asia projects. So I worked at Rolls-Royce Energy in Mount Vernon, Ohio. They are now uh, owned by Siemens, but they are a gas turbine and compressor manufacturing company. And these gas turbines and compressors are used in you know oil and gas fields, pipelines all across the world. And one of the projects that I was working on was a service project that was in Asia, in Thailand. So I was the guy. I was... I was responsible for coordinating with the U.S. side, with the Asia side, with our, our hands uh, on the ground in the field, different suppliers. And so I realized I was, I was pretty good at this. I could, hmm. I could, you know, I could do this. And a big company was was relying on me to deliver value and to succeed. And I was doing it. So I worked in Ohio and did well there and then got promoted and transferred to Singapore. And I lived in Singapore on the Rolls-Royce contract for two years. And I did projects in India, I did projects in Thailand, I did projects in China, where I was the lead on these projects. So what's your family background, right? You have this, you leave A&T, you start having this amazing corporate career. Like, did you have any roadmap? Did you have any mentors who had kind of gone down that path before? Or I had mentors everywhere I went. I had mentors okay. at A&T. I had mentors at Bank of America. I had, I had mentors at Rolls-Royce. Even from, I grew up, I was in Boy Scouts. So okay. I went all the way through Boy Scouts, got my Eagle Mirror badge. And I, so I've had people that have been kind of pushing me the whole way and kind of people that I could talk to about different decisions that I'm going to make. And so mentorship has been really helpful. When I was at Rolls-Royce in Ohio, one of the the guys that interviewed me but was not actually on my team was a very senior project manager. His name is Ernie Pido. And Ernie, you know, took a liking to me. There weren't many project managers in Ohio. There were people that did operations and people that did like, you know, engineering and people that, you know, were on the legal side, but not many project managers. So we kind of got on really well. And for my first Asia project, he's the person who who took me with him. So he, or excuse me, my first Asia trip, he was the one that took me with him. I was in the office. I wasn't working on anything significant at the time. Uh, I was very junior and he gave me a task. Uh, Little did I know that that task would roll into integral piece of this project. And then for the customer meeting that happened on site in Thailand, I would have to go and represent that subject matter and be the subject matter expert. So Ernie was was really helpful and beneficial and kind of, if I could put it on one person on how I got to to Singapore from mm-hmm. Rolls Royce, he was that person because he 
he saw that, you know, if you give him the task and, you know, he'll be able to knock it down. He just needs the opportunity and gave me the opportunity and the rest is history. Okay. So sounds like things are going great, right? In your career, you've got mentors, you've got opportunity. They're giving you all types of cool projects. So what changed? Because you reached some some, some success and then yeah. something told Aaron that it's time to pivot. Yeah. I mean, working in Asia was different. It was not, we're American and we've, you know, worked in corporate America. Mm -hmm. And so we are kind of conditioned for corporate America and working in another country, you have a whole nother set of values, a whole nother, Mm -hmm. another set of like corporate decorum, I guess. And when I first got there, you know, there was like a honeymoon period where like, it's like, oh, this is the the American guy. You know, this is how they do things in the, in the Ohio office. But after, you know, about six months, there were definitely some clashes there with like work styles and just like my ambition. Like, you know, I'm this young guy trying to move up the ladder, trying to get some experience here and then kind of move it over here and and kind of move and shape, hustle and flow. But that's not necessarily how they do it over there. And so there was definitely some, you know, heated discussions. And, you know, I kind of thought that, all right, well, I've reached the height of, of where I can go with this company. So we went our separate ways after two years and I took some time off just to figure out what my next move was going to be. I moved to China for about a month and I've got a, a friend there or I had a friend there who's also an a and uh, alum, mm. Carl Humphrey. So he was there living and he was doing trade and speaks fluent Chinese. And I just kind of got to, to watch somebody who is making it on his own, who's not reporting to like a manager or doesn't have like corporate structure to kind of keep him in a box and just saw how he was kind of moving through the city. I mean, at, it was really impressive and just inspiring for me, especially at that time. Like I used to go to China for work, but it would be, you know, I would have like some, like a translator. I would have like, I'll be there mm-hmm. like with a team. And so like, we would be going to like very rural places, but it wasn't like it's me by myself and I'm figuring it out. And then I, I got to China and I was, you know, hanging out with Carl and I'm like, my man is out here by himself. Mm. Like he's like going into meetings by himself. He's going to source product and, you know, different parts of the, of the country by himself. And there's an empowering kind of feeling from like seeing someone that looks like you that like that lived in the Oaks you know what I mean? That like went to A&T and like, we're cool. Like we're like, he's not that much older than me. And so it inspired me to say like, you know what? I could do something on my own. Yeah. I could do something. So that was a very pivotal moment for me. And then I came back to the U.S. I did like world travel kind of, or excuse me, not world travel, but like world tour, seeing everyone I haven't seen in two years because mm. I was in Asia and I was in Asia yeah. for a long time and nobody came to visit me. <laughs> Except for like, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, bro, just just come over and check me out. And, you know, it, it costs a little bit to get here. But once you get here, I got you. And people were like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then when I came back to the U.S., they was like, oh, man, I missed my opportunity. I was just I coming. I was on I was my just, way. I was just going to go there. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I've been there for two years. Anyway, I came back to the U.S. And then I went to go see all the people that I hadn't seen in a while. And just kind of, you know, caught up with them. And, you know, they're all on the corporate grind. They're all on the corporate hustle, um, you know, trying to get this promotion mm. or trying to, and I wasn't really with it. 
you know, I never was with it. And like, I think with project management also, because you, you have your hands in a lot of different pies and you're doing a lot of different things, like it like empowers you to be like, yo, I can do this job. Like I've, it's not more complicated than, mm. you know, some of these other things that I've done. So I had a, some inspiration and I figured out like, you know, I want to do something, but I don't know what that is, but I want to do something. So that something became nine to five. That something became nine to five. Yeah. So. So what was the inspiration behind that and kind of what led you down the retail path? Because, again, yeah. you're at a, a point in life where you could have chose to do anything. Yeah. So there's two stories. One is like okay. the name and then one is like the brand. So I'll tell you about the name first and then I'll tell you about the brand. if That's cool. Yeah. So I used to do a blog called Student BS when I was in grad school at A&T. And it was like, so when I went to grad school, I worked for Bank of America for two years. Banks crashed. And I went back to A&T as like for shelter mm. to figure out what my next move is because I was working in the bank. I worked on the countrywide merger deal. And then, you know, everybody lost their jobs. So when I was in grad school, I was like in McNair in the, you know, in the engineering building. And, you know, I would go to like info sessions and, you know, some of the, I don't know, our class was really like, like on top of like going to info sessions and like figuring mm -hmm. out who's hiring and all that stuff. And like, I guess the next class that I was seeing, like they weren't really about like that for some mm -hmm. reason, like they didn't know what questions to ask. They didn't know how to, you know, internships weren't as important for them. So I started a blog just kind of highlighting like, you know, number one, like, okay, these blogs are, excuse me, these companies are going to be on campus on this day. And it was more like tips for like, once you graduate college and you make it to the workforce, like, these are some of the things that you need to look out for. This is how you need to dress. This is like some of the jargon or whatever that you need to kind of uh, know about. And I did that blog the whole time I was in grad school. When I graduated and I started working in Ohio, I was not around like students anymore. I didn't know like what people were like missing or interested in. And so, but I still want the blog. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I can make a blog about like work. So I, I okay. bought the domain nine to five.com. And this was supposed to be like the blog, the workforce version of what I was doing with student BS, which is like, all right, now I'm behind the line with you. Like, this is what I'm experiencing and like trying to give like tips that didn't really last that long because I was working and like I was doing okay. projects and like I didn't have time to do it. So I just had the domain part dormant for forever, but I kept the subscription going and I just had it. So fast forward to, I come back from Asia, I'm doing this world tour and a part of that tour is me going to weddings and like people are getting married and I've, I've got like my freshly tailored suit from Asia yeah. and people are like, damn, like, like you look better than the groom. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to show out or anything like that. Like I'm, you know, I'm looking good. And a few of my friends asked me like, you know, for my tailored connects and like, can I you know, take their measurements and get suits made for them? So I was like, all right, well, I've seen some other companies kind of do this. I know because of my connection in, in Asia, where the stuff is being made. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take a trip, see if I could talk to some people and, and kind of, you know, figure it out. 
So I went over to Thailand, met with my tailor who does all my stuff, got some swatches from him, came back and I did a few weddings. I did some suits for a few people and I was like, all right, I need to, to build a website. So when you say you did weddings, help yeah. me understand that you yeah. kind of brokered, you took an Brooms. order. Yeah. Walk took, me through took, that. Yeah. Yeah. I took an order. So a friend of mine, my friend TJ, who's also an Aggie industrial engineer, he got married and I did the, the suits for his, for his wedding. I did his custom suit, his uh, navy blue tuxedo. And then I did the suits for all of his groomsmen. And so basically the process is you take the body measurements of each individual person. You pick out the fabric, the outer shell, the inside like lining, if you want like something like colorful or fancy or whatever, put that stuff all together, put the order in with my factory who manufactures the tuxedos. The suits would come in to me and then I would deliver them. And then I would go to the, I mean, I was going to the wedding anyway, because that's my boy. I would go to the wedding and wedding and just like make sure that everyone is good. If there's any like mm-hmm. last minute adjustments that need to happen, then I would do that. And I was like, all right, cool. This is like a nice little check. We could probably, you know, keep this going. Yeah. Maybe that would be enough to sustain me. So I needed a website and I knew some developers from before that helped me put together my student BS website. So I said, well, let's do this. Let's build like the framework for the website. Let's park it on the nine to five domain because it exists. And like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. like, like we can port everything to like another domain later, but let's start building there. Cause I'm a, a big, like fail early and often person just from my project management background. So like the moment it's live, the moment I can like pull it up on my phone or I can pull it, pull it up on my computer and start to kind of play around with it and test it. Then like we're, we're making progress. So we started building on nine to five.com and I was like, you got all these companies called like Hulu and I don't know, Quebby wasn't around back then, but like there's a bunch of like weird names for, for companies that don't okay. really mean anything. So I was like, you know what? Let's just keep it here. Like I had like names like, you know, some Italian name or some like, I was thinking like maybe I can name it after like my son or like name it mm-hmm. after my father. And I was like, this is all like a stretch and like <laughs> not really official. Like until I get like an official name, we're just going to leave it as nine to five.com. Mm-hmm. See what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. And I never, I never changed it. So, so that's it. That's the story. That's an amazing story. Cause you, you said so much, right? You, weren't afraid to like fail. I like that you said that like you were kind of in, didn't know what to name it. So many people get stuck and confused, right? Just trying to name a thing. And it's like, just get it going. (laughs) Like, Just get it out there. Yeah. You're totally right with that. Like, and I, I give that feedback to people like, Oh, how'd you get started? And like, I got this idea, but you know, I'm still, you know, I'm working on it in like in my cave over here, but like when it's ready, then I'm going to show it to the world. And really like, that's the worst thing that you can do because you're never going to be ready. So how did you get the confidence to just, to put nine to five out there, whether you were ready or not? Yeah. So I launched nine to five the first time, I believe it was uh, November 1st of 2013. At homecoming. Okay. So my boy, Courtney, who was actually just doing a residency in the studio a couple of days ago, he just wrapped it up. Courtney Jefferson is a photographer and he had a studio in, in Greensboro. 
So I ordered a bunch of stuff and I had like some of my suits and I drove down and my mom came with me originally from Buffalo and she hadn't been to homecoming in a long time because I was, I was gone. And so I loaded up the car and my mom was like, I'm trying to roll. I was like, cool. <laughs> and we drove down to Greensboro and, you know, we were like kind of in between like setting up for our tailgate that we do and like getting ready for this like impromptu photo shoot that like, I didn't know anything about like fashion, photo shoots and lighting or anything like that. So I just had like the clothes. I think Brandon Ball was the first model. Mm, okay. So I, I think I got like some old pictures of him with like some glasses and like a red tie or something like that. Like it was horrible. Like the quality was really, <laughs> <laughs> was really bad. But like the homies showed up for me and they're like, yo, this, this is your project. Like, you, you're trying to do this. And so my initial like group of friends, they were behind me. They were like, just get it out there. So we took the pictures, you know, I quickly uploaded them to like WordPress, which the site was on WordPress at the time. And then I was going around talking to people during homecoming, like, yo, I, I launched this company. I launched this website, 9to5.com. It's really easy for you to, it's like 9, T-O-F-I-V-E. I'm still explaining that to people now. So it's <laughs> not that easy. But I was at homecoming just like telling the homies, like, this is what I'm doing. And I was like, there's no better way to like kind of launch something than like during a homecoming because everyone is there people that you know people that you trust people that like mm. know that you you legit they know where you've been so i didn't like that and i at least got it out there it wasn't successful at all but i at least got the name out there and then like people were holding me accountable they're like yo what's going on with nine to five like oh you told me about this what's happening and then that kind of pushed me to continue to grow it and to with like a few like trials and tribulations push it to where it is now. Yeah, because it's like once you put it out there. So the yeah. key is putting it out there because once you put it out there, you know, even with me as a coach, people are like, what's going on with that coaching thing you were talking about? Yeah. And then you almost, you know, it helps with the momentum. You can't just quit because you're like, all of my family and friends know about this thing now. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, if you're going to do it, then you have to do it. And what I found is like, I tried to, you know, I went back to, to corporate America for a while as a part of like, number one, knowing that I didn't know everything I needed to know about digital projects and like launching a website. Like I had no experience with that. And so I wanted to get that. And the best way to do it was to have mm. somebody pay me to manage their projects to kind of soak up that information. So, but yeah, like, if you know, people will, will hold you accountable. They'll be like, yo, like, what's, what's up? Like you yeah. said, you were doing this thing. You're not doing this. Is you not, you're not doing it. And I would tell them that like, oh yeah, I'm doing it. But you know, I'm also, I'm working, but like, you know, I'm doing it on the side or whatever. And they'd be like, you ain't serious. You're not real. And it wasn't really until I said like, yo, I'm quitting my job and I'm doing this full time that it really took off. Here's the cheat code to making a career pivot or to getting promoted. First, you need the skills to do the job or the ability to learn how to. Second, you have to be able to market and sell yourself as the best candidate for the job. I created the Career Brand Accelerator as a professional development program to help you become a master at marketing and selling your skills so that you will always have the tools you need to make a career change. Because let's be honest, it's easy to get a new degree or certification 
or even to revamp your resume. But nothing quite prepares you for establishing your brand and for finding out what makes you unique so that you can stand out from the other job candidates in today's competitive job market. I have good news for you. You don't have to navigate your career on your own. Visit the careerbrandaccelerator.com to learn more about how to pivot into your next role and how to level up your career without new degrees and certifications and without applying for tons of jobs online. Yeah, I want to dive into that because you said something that kind of resonated. You said, and something I love, and this is what I tell all of my clients that like, when you figured out what kind of what you want to do for yourself, like yeah. you figured out that you wanted to launch this retail brand, you kind of took stock and like, what are some things that I need? And instead yeah. of like flustering around trying to figure out and stressing about, I don't have this. You went to corporate America and got someone to pay you <laughs> for yeah. on the job training. I mean, yeah. that's the lens that I want people to look at their corporate career as like, this is not the final stop. It's right. just the step and stair for you to get to where you really want to go. So I'm so inspired that you use that. So you took something that was just a name, just a, a website that you had and you you launched it. You said it was a failure, but many years later, there are several parts to this brand. So kind of walk us through the different parts of the brand and like, how do all the pieces fit together? Yeah. So nine to five is what we do. It's like, it's our, it's work. And the different parts of the brand all kind of support each other with like how I work. So there's nine to five.com, which is our workwear, our suiting and like kind of formal wear kind of brand. We also have uh, 9 to 5 Supply, which is our uh, uniform and uh, government uniform side of the house where we do like police uniforms and fire safety vests and all types of mm-hmm. stuff for people that work in New York City. And then we have 9 to 5 Studios, which is the content creation, I guess, arm of the business. So. We're on a podcast. We are in the age of like, you got to be creating content all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to be 4K. You got to be fresh looks. You got to be white background, in-life photography, product photography. You got you to shoot flats. Mm-hmm. So when we got some success with the retail stuff, which is our formal wear, which is in Belk, Nordstrom, and Hudson Bay, and then also with some of the, the city government contracts with uniforms, I said that I need a place to number one, work, to create, mm-hmm. and to shoot this content. So that's where 9to5 Studios came in. So right now, I have like a full, like, I was going to studios in like different parts of the city. I was lugging around all the, the clothes mm-hmm. and coordinate, doing project management, coordinating photographers and assistants and all types of stuff to like support my, my photo, photo shoots. Now I do everything here. Come to the studio, come pull up to the stew and let's work and it's real chill. And I can, you know, put something like my whole thing with my friends is like, we need a space where you can write something, you can put something on a board and you come back the next day and it's still there and you can kind of pick mm-hmm. it up and continue to go. So right now, what we built is bigger than anything that I could have dreamed of when I was, you know, doing this WordPress site. 
Like we have workshops every month for the photography studio where we're teaching creatives in Bed-Stuy how to just the basics of photography, mm-hmm. how to use studio lighting, teaching them about film photography, which is a, a dying art. We have guest photographers that are, you know, pretty established coming into our space and they are bringing, you know, their contacts and uh, leads and networks into our space. So it's, it's a lot, we're doing a lot of cool stuff here. It's, it's really interesting for sure. It, yeah, it sounds really dope. So you got three different main avenues, right? You got yep. the the suiting that you're, the wedding venue that you're doing, helping yep. people. Yep. And then you got the retail and then you got the studio. So at yep. what point did you step away? Did you From have corporate? all three or yeah? I didn't have any of them really. I was just tired of my job. <laughs> To be like honest, like I felt like, so, you know, I went, I worked, I was a project manager working in oil and gas and I wanted to learn how to, you know, run a website, how to market, how to, I wanted to learn the things I didn't know that I need to know. And so I kind of positioned myself as an international project manager and got a job Mm. as a international localization project manager with a tech company in New York. From there, I started to, you know, develop the skills and the contacts with like people, you know, on the design team, people on the marketing team, people on the operations team, people on the engineering team. What's the difference between a feature and a bug? You know, I was applying some of the lean manufacturing principles to software development, which is, you know, kind of works hand in hand. And I started to realize and understand like what you need to do to have a successful website. And so I worked for, you know, several different tech companies in New York. I got to my last company and I got to a point where I realized that, like, I'm not learning anything. There is no path for me to to grow, to be like the lead senior project manager person over whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that was cool. These companies are not like our parents <laughs> and they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not supposed to like take care of us no matter what and like help yeah. us, you know, they're, they're trying to make money. I got to a point in the company where like the company was cool just keeping me where I was and that if I wanted to leave, then like that would also be cool. So I was like, all right, well, let me, now that I realize that and I understand that, let me check my finances. Let me check my network. I talked to my mom, I talked to my son and I was like, you know, I'm thinking about really doing nine to five full time. I have been doing, you know, some weddings here and there. People in the organization knew that I had this kind of side project. But I was like, yo, I'm going to put together a plan in my mind and on paper that, you know, if I can do this, then, you know, I'm going to get to a certain point. I'm going to quit my job. So I quit my job May 30th, 2019. I checked all the boxes on my plan for like how much money I needed, my rollout plan, my small team of people that was going to help me. And I did it. What was your quit number? Like how much money did you need to have before you felt like I can float myself and I can start this business? 50,000 Okay, uh, was the number. And, you know, I saved it. I, I got some loans. I borrowed from people. And like, I was like, all right, like this is the number that I need mm-hmm. in order to pay my rent to get like inventory in and to, you know, really get the brand kind of going and like really like make a splash. I had planned like a big rollout in 
March of 2020, we had like some brand sponsors, we had some sponsors, we had like some venues and there was a whole bunch of stuff. And we, you know, we were going to take the world by storm. We had this really cool mm-hmm. concept in the beginning with partnering with uh, local tailors in New York City. So I had 10 tailors already signed up, ready to go. And our first, I guess, networking session was called Altered Ego. It was supposed to be like like a play on like alterations and like, anyway, it was supposed to be March, I think, 15th. I believe that's a, a Saturday. And this COVID thing was like, making the rounds and mm-hmm. people, you know, my team is like, all right, well, maybe we should like, maybe we'll like kick it off, like, you know, kick it back two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I'm saying? We'll kick it back two weeks and then we'll, we'll reconvene. So like, we never actually launched the thing. Like we, we, we archived the post on social media and then New York city shut down. And then that happened. Well, you know, I had a rollout plan in my mind for like, how I was going to do this thing and like how much money I was going to make and like forecast and everything like that. And then COVID hit and everything was out the window. So you talked about a couple of different struggles and I kind of yeah. want to understand like, which one do you think has been most pivotal and kind of, you know, shaping where you are today and where you're going into the future. So the first struggle is kind of like, I'm in this corporate career. I know it's not for me. I don't know what to do. And then the struggle you just described is like, I took the leap and things aren't going the way I planned. <laughs> so kind of talk me through, um, you can talk about both of them if you like, but which one is kind of most pivotal? So I guess like the most pivotal one would be actually committing, right? Because like mm. I could have stayed at my job. I could have I could have worked until now. I could still be working. I, I could mm-hmm. still have nine to five as like my little side hustle thing that I'm working on or whatever, not my main. I don't know. I, I just realized that like, you know, life is, is finite. And if you're not doing what you think is important or what you love or what you think adds value, then you should, you should immediately stop doing that. Everyone doesn't have the, the luxury to be able to immediately stop. And so sometimes you have to, you got to make a plan. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up this amount of money or I'm going to interview and like, you know, this is the company I want to work for. So, you know, I'm going to go that path or, you know, whatever you need to do to get out of that situation. But I realized that, you know, I wasn't growing there, you know, nothing was going to, you know, I talked to my manager, I talked to, you know, other people in the company, and there was no way for me to, to maneuver out of my current position. So I said, all right, well, cool, you know, fuck it, I'm out. And I rolled. And people were like, what are you going to do? And I, at the time, like I hadn't, announced that I was doing nine to five full time. Mm-hmm. I just told everyone that I was just going to travel, which I did. I traveled and I, I took my son on our first Euro trip. We went to London and Paris and Switzerland, which was, was really cool and like really great for him. But um, I realized that like I just needed time to, number one, get, get out of the headspace that was like frustrated corporate why am I not getting promoted? Or, you know, I did this project and like, you know, it was only me and like the company is benefiting from this, but I am not benefiting from this. So I took the time to just kind of get out of that headspace and then come back and hit the ground running with like nine to five, which is, you know, how we got here. But that's, you know, that's hard for, for people. You know, it doesn't, you know, I know people that work, are working jobs now that they hate. They're working jobs now that they, that they you know, said that they was going to quit a year ago but they're, you know, they're still there. And uh, really, they're wasting time. You could be happy somewhere. You could be 
fulfilled somewhere else. Even if you're not making as much money or even if you need to like, you know, change some things you know, on your personal side, but like you could be happy or you could be miserable working, working that job. So I made that choice. And then the other challenge, which is COVID, I mean, for a while, I didn't know what to do. It was, you know, I'm in New York and like, it was like the ground zero of like COVID and like, you know, you turn on the news and it's like a horror movie with like bodies stacking up, you know, in Central Park. And like, but I remember Cuomo, the mayor, or excuse me, the governor at the time went on TV and he was like, we're, we're asking for anyone that has, that can, you know, do anything to get supplies into the country, masks. And, you know, mm, uh, yeah. at the time it was masks. So I called up Carl Humphrey and I was like, yo, we need to get China on the line. And like, let's get this popping. Like, let's use our contacts that we've used for other projects to kind of get these supplies in. And we found success with that. And so that kind of put some wind in the sail of like, all right, well, now it's nine to five supply. Okay. And we're doing masks and we're doing gowns and we're doing syringes and we're doing gloves, nitro gloves. You know, we found success with that. We, we never lost anyone's money. We have a, a great success rate with all of our hospital partners. And that kind of kept us afloat and kind of kept me kind of going in order to redirect some of that money into nine to five okay. proper, which is, you know, the suit company and then get us to where we are now. So you got to be flexible. You got to be agile. You got to, you got to pivot. And I did that and we did that. And, you know, there's a whole nother story about like how we got from there to like into retail stores. But the first challenge was like, you know, trail water, survive. Yeah. There's no like, you know, people that, that worked in corporate jobs, they had like corporate, you know, they were still getting paid. I had quit like long before mm-hmm. any of that. The whole you know, year, right? Whole yeah, year before. Any of that relief money was coming. So like, I was like, actually like out, out for a while. And then these contracts started coming and we started doing that. So, so you took some lemons and you made some lemonade. It sounds we like. Made some, like we made yeah. some, some lemonade, put some sugar in that thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, put, we put some limes in that, we put some sugars in there. You know Whatever what it took. It was a good drink. In there too. It, was a good, it was a good one. So when did you realize that you had made a smart career and money move? Like, when did you realize that I did the right thing? I made the right choice? When did I re- like first realize it? I don't know. I mean, like, I realized I, I made the right move when I made the move, like when I quit. Like, not financially. Like, it wasn't like the right financial move, but like, it was... Mm-hmm. What's the use of having money if you're not yeah. happy? And you, you know what I'm saying? So I realized I made the right move on <laughs> June 1st of 2019. But we we found success in early 2021 when we um, I got approached by one of the, the my big homies in my in my network, Charlize uh, Antoinette, who is an amazing costume designer. She's a lead costume designer on the the new Whitney Houston movie. Um, oh, nice. She, uh, was the lead costume designer on Judas and the Black Messiah. And she's got a whole lot of projects going on. And I had joined her network, Black Designer Database, during COVID. And she was, like, collecting these, like, I believe she was, like, collecting, like, a database of Black designers and, like, giving them opportunities to, like, you know, work in film and, like, anything that, like, came across her plate, like, she would, like, send it out to her network. And so I had joined her network and during COVID, like I was just sending emails to a bunch of different people 
about all types of things all the time, just like trying to figure out where the next check is coming from. And mm. I believe that I emailed her like going very wide and she responded to me like, yo, I like your brand, I like what you're doing. And I've got, I want to know if you can, can dress someone for like a movie premiere, I believe it was, or like an award show. And it was a director from <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. So I was like, shit, like, I'm like, like emailing and like saying I can do all this stuff. And like now someone like has like oh, seen yeah. all my stuff and they like recognize that like, all right, like this is the guy that I want to go with. And now I got to actually send her something. And like, I didn't have like my shit together. And like, long story short is like, I didn't end up dressing him at all. But like, I did send her some samples. But that was like kind of the moment where like someone mm-hmm. that was like in the industry that is like, not in my network of like A&T people or homies or like family that like saw nine to five and was like, yo, like this is like this, this is something like, yeah. I'm gonna push this forward. And so that was like the moment where I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it's a missed opportunity, but there's a lesson here, which is like, okay, this is the stuff that works. Your outreach is working. People are mm. seeing your emails. People are <clears throat> seeing your website. Like maybe they're not making a purchase right then and there, but they see you. So maybe you should go harder. And so I leaned into that and I, I emailed every single person on LinkedIn from Nordstrom. I went in their DMs. I scraped uh, LinkedIn and got email addresses. And I was like, yo, like you need to, like you need to know about me. And I got some meetings and the rest is history. Once they actually got the product and they saw like, all right, like, you know, okay. He's got factory contacts. Like it's not just like some dude working in his apartment, which I was. <laughs> fake it, to, but, <laughs> you, you know, fake, but you fake faked it, it until it, you, you know made it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that interaction with Charlize and like, I always like, I hold her in such like high regard. And like, she's definitely the big homie. And she was like the first external person that like had mm-hmm. a little bit of clout that was like, yo, you good. Like this is, yeah. this is good enough. Like, so, and it's yeah. like, you know, it was good. Cause it's like, she doesn't like it because of me. Yeah. You know, that, know that's the, right. Yeah. It's like, she doesn't know me. So she must like the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm blown away, Aaron. Like your trajectory has been amazing. It's super inspiring. And I know this is just the beginning. Like I can't wait to, you know, see everything that unfolds. What are you listening to or reading? Like what helps you to continue to grow like in your career and personally? Um, What am I listening to? Like music wise or like podcast wise or like what 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 gives you your education? Like for me, I'm a YouTube junkie. Like yeah. I'm learning all kinds of stuff on YouTube. So yeah. is it podcasts? Is it books? What is it for you? I get my information now. Like what's helped me now as a business is like investing in the the next generation. So okay. I want to big up my uh, my studio manager, Biv Sanchez, who's like actually there's an Aggie connection there. So her cousin went to A&T and it's from New York. And then when I moved here, she was like, yo, my little cousin is a photographer. Like you should like invite her to some of your shoots or whatever. And now she's the, the manager of my studio. But she like, and the youth in general, like she's in tune with like, you know, TikTok and, and mm. social media and different trends. And like, she's really been helpful with like the studio side of the business, which is not my my background. Like I, I got the retail stuff down. I've got the operational stuff down, working with suppliers. But in terms of like creating reels and getting new talent into the space, like 
I lean on her a lot for that and, and she's doing a, a great job. So, you know, the youth, they are the future really. And they're like mm-hmm. kind of helping, like kind of direct me anyway on like what to do. Like, I'll be like, yo, Bib, you think we should do this? And she'll be like, no, <laughs> she'll be like, this is what we need to do over here. So I've been <laughs> spending a lot of this year and like, I guess the last year investing in, you know, my network, but also you know, some of the little homies that got like really great ideas, Yeah. And, you know, they just need a space. They need somebody to believe in them. They need someone to pull them by the collar and to and bring them into nine to five studios and be like, yo, you could also do this. So here's the, the box. You fill the box with ideas. We'll figure out like what's really popping and then we'll execute on that. So that's been like where I've been at. As far as like books and stuff, one book that I read that was recently that was really good was the the uh, autobiography of uh, Dapper Dan. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Harlem legend. Uh, yeah, actually, I saw I the believe, documentary. So, you know, Dapper Dan, like, he still walks around Harlem. He's like a, he's a figure. But his biography was super interesting. Just where he came from, the hustle, him going to Africa, discovering Taylor's there. And then all the the recent like kind of ups and downs with like, you know, his brand and like the Gucci stuff and, you know, now kind of being mm-hmm. celebrated and recognized across the culture with his store and everything like that. So that like from afar, like his story, like I'm trying to like kind of, you know, follow behind that. But I read that recently and that was, it was really good. Dope, Aaron. Thank you so much for your time. But and I know the listeners, they want to follow up with your brand. They want to keep up. Yeah. How can we keep up with you guys and support yeah. you? So, you know, 9to5.com is the website. 9to5studios is for the studio. 9to5supply is for our supply business. You can follow us on Instagram um, at all those handles. And yeah, that's it. I can't thank you enough for being a guest of on course. the Smart Career Money Moves podcast. You definitely made some smart career moves. I've learned so much. You've been a great inspiration. So I'm just honored to watch from the sidelines. And thanks for being on the show. Jerry, I really appreciate it. Thank you for reaching out. And, you know, whenever you want to chat again, let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode as much as I did, be sure to hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review, or share this podcast with those in your network that are striving to make smart career and money moves. Till next week. Bye.